He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. When we say mihinari, a lot of people will think that that just means Anglican, um, but we take the view that being mihinari means being Māori and Anglican, and those two things come together and they make you mihinari. With RevTalk, um, with the TikTok stuff we were doing over lockdown, with our online karakia, the, the goal isn't to quote-unquote win souls for Christ. The goal is to contribute positively to the discourse that's affecting our people. Reverend Canon Chris Huriwai is a priest of the Mihingare or Anglican faith. He teaches at Te Rau Theological College in Gisborne. He has travelled the world as an academic, a podcaster, and can be found on most social media platforms under his own name or under Rev Talks. Coming up, I'm in Gisborne at Te Pihopatanga o Te Tairawhiti, the Māori Anglican Church, where Huriwai shares his fondness and sometimes unfiltered approach to social media, the quirkiness of his role within the church, his love of Taonga Puro and the articles and research that he has contributed to about the connection to whenua and the impact of climate change. Ia kunui, ia kurahi, kautoura e whakarongo pikari mai ana ki tēnei pāhotanga, nau mai, haramai. That's coming up in this episode of Te Ahikā. Ako tōkuinga ko Christopher Douglas Huriwai, a huri tēnei uh, nō ngā iwi maha o te tairāwhiti, ngāti parau rongo whakāta taitanga mahaki, wera iwi katoa, ake tau tōku pāpa tēnā. Ako tōku mama, she's from uh, Tauranga Moana, ngāi tūkairangi me ngāti tapu, ngā hapu e rua o Matapihi. Um, and kei konei ahau e noho ana, I live here in Gisborne with my wife Charlene and our three-year-old daughter Talmihia, and she's wonderful. Um, but I was uh, actually born and raised in Christchurch. My dad uh, was a part of that generation that was taken on uh, trade training. And yeah, had us kids down there and I'm the youngest uh, of seven. Well, I used to be. Then my parents went and got a whānau and now there's one younger than me oh, so and, I'm, and I'm adjusting to that. <laughs> <laughs> Huriwai left Christchurch at the age of 21. So I left Christchurch to go to St John's Theological College, which is where the Minita go to learn how to be Minita in Auckland. Mm-hmm. Um, spent three years there, and then my first post out of St John's was here in, in Gisborne, and I'd never felt any attachment to this place, never wanted to come to Tairawhiti. But no, uh, Archbishop Brown, the former Archbishop, had different plans, and he called me here to come home. And as soon as I got here, as soon as my feet hit the ground, um, yeah, I felt a real sense of belonging and calling, and it just agrees with me. You are a, a canon, a I reverend? Am, yep. Yeah, so uh, the title reverend just means someone who's ordained, so someone who's set apart for a certain ministry. So I'm a priest, a priest is ordained, and so I'm the reverend Christopher Douglas Huriwai, but the canon part in there, so I'm the reverend canon, um, means that I do a specific job for the bishop. So I'm the canon to the ordinary, which, as I'm saying that, it sounds crazy to me. Uh, but the ordinary is just another name for the bishop. So if you make up the bishop's staff or if you do something special for him, then you might um, have that added, added honorific. A lot of people think that it comes with more mana, but it actually just comes with more work. So I'm, I'm the chaplain uh, to the archbishop, which means I help him uh, with his ministry all around Aotearoa, New Zealand, and even overseas from time to time too. Yeah. 
Due to the scope of Huriwai's responsibilities within the church, he is not tied to a parish or pariha. Um, so I'm a little bit quirky when it comes to what most people probably think a priest is. So usually, yeah, a, pri- a priest would be attached to a pariha, um, and that would be them every Sunday, serving yeah. that community, whatever. Um, but I, my job's sort of a little bit more provincial, so it's a bit more wide-ranging than that. Um, so I'm not attached permanently to a church, yeah. but whenever I'm in, around on a Sunday or whatever, I'll get looped into karakia uh, at wherever I happen to find myself on that Sunday. So my mahi with the bishop is my main mahi, and I also teach uh, at Tiro Theological College, which is our, our theological college here in Tūranga, um, that sort of forms people for the priesthood for ministry. It seems like there's a hierarchical thing yeah. within the Mihingari faith. We, we love our structures and, and our, um, our forms and our procedures, and we love our finery and our robes and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, but I think for us, part of what being Māori means, um, and when we say mihinari, a lot of people will think that that just means Anglican, um, but we take the view that being mihinari means being Māori and Anglican, and those two things come together and they make you mihinari. And, and sort of when they were discussing perhaps having a Māori bishop way back in the day, a Ngata, um, he was saying, despite all the finery of the church, despite all its robes and all its classical Anglican theology and all that jazz, um, whakapapa is the supreme test of the Māori clergyman. So whakapapa is what makes us who we are. We, we don't need all the fancy titles, we don't need all the fancy clothes, uh, we just need our whakapapa mihinari, and that's what roots us. And I think that's what makes us a bit different to the mainstream uh, Anglican church here in Aotearoa. So, so day to day you would travel both regionally mm-hmm. and, and maybe, maybe, not so much maybe because of COVID-19, yeah, 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 yeah. but is that what you have, have done over the yeah, previous few yeah, years? Yeah, so historically uh, everything from sort of local stuff here in Aotearoa through to um, going across to the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. Uh, so we have a relationship with the indigenous Anglicans there. And one thing that I found really crazy from that experience is when I'm sitting in South Dakota on the reservation looking at these indigenous people, I think to myself, why on earth are they Anglican? Like, it makes no sense. And then for a minute I, I realised, oh, that, that the same's true <laughs> with me, eh? Why exactly. are the Māori Anglicans in, in Aotearoa? Um, but this idea of whakapapa is, is what binds us, you know, across from Aotearoa uh, to North America, um, and it's not just a whakapapa of faith, but it's, it's a whakapapa of being indigenous, of that shared experience of colonialism. Um, yeah. And that actually strengthens our faith. Whereas a lot of other Māori would look at it, or a lot of other indigenous people would look at it and be like, Eta, man, wake up. You're just part of this colonial bohemoth. Like, why are you involved with that? Um, but for us, it's an inherited tradition from our ancestors. My tipuna were mihinari, and so I'm mihinari too. And being mihinare today, well, what does that look like? For Huriwai, he understands that communicating with people needs to exist outside of the parish walls. This means adapting new ways to engage. Social media has allowed Huriwai to open up these spaces. Under the handle Rev Talks, there's TikTok. So, a bit of trivia for you. There are about uh, anywhere between 300 and 350 Māori Anglican ministers here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. How many of them do you think get paid uh, for their ministry? 
Well, the answer is about five. So that means that it is around 340... And then there's Rev Talks, the Mihinari podcast, where Huriwai and his fellow reverends muse about anything from politics, the church, weight loss and mental health. Tēnā koutou hika māno mai haramai ki te pono apahoi kia nei ko Rev Talk, the Mihinari podcast. My name is Chris Huriwai. My name is Michael Lee Tamihere. And I'm Brother Zane. So, what have we been up to? So, I think obviously part of what we do as minitas, we're preachers, eh? Yes. And, and basically, all that means is we're storytellers. So, we, we like to yarn and we like to have um, our whakapapa of faith and our Māori whakapapa as well informing all those koiru and all those koho. Um, and I think the appeal for, for why people ask us a lot to do that is that we're not overtly religious. The goal is to contribute positively to the discourse that's affecting our people. Mm. And we do that heavily informed by our whakapapa and our whakapono, but that's not why we do it. So that informs our perspective, but we're not trying to win people to that perspective. An example is like I've been hit up recently quite a lot about my perspectives on euthanasia. Mm. Um, And I have a very clear perspective on that, but to listen to my perspective, you wouldn't think that it was religious. But it's obviously informed by my religious whakaro and my religious philosophies. But it's basically informed by aroha. My concern uh, for our whānau is what drives my no. And the concern on the yes side is what drives their yes, if that makes sense. Mm. You know what I mean? So our starting point is aroha. Yep. And it's just our end point is, is a little different. Is interpretations of what yeah. aroha means to yeah, you so, versus... So to me, the ultimate uh, form of aroha is advocating for the vulnerable. The lost, the last, the least, that's it. Um, for someone on the yes side, the ultimate form of, of aroha will be um, not forcing someone to suffer. And so aroha is our starting point, but just slightly different interpretations or applications of, of aroha. Yes, far no. Well, what we've been doing at six forty-five each morning is we've been we've signed up at this new fitness studio. Rev Talk sort of has its genesis way back. I think it was like the mid two thousands or something. We originally started a um, a blog. You know, we uh, blogs with things. Yeah, yeah, you know those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had a blog called Rev Talk, and that was started off the back of like there were a crew of us who used to tweet, who used to live tweet. Yeah, um, uh, Simmons. But but basically, in response to there was a crew of us, that crew, who used to live tweet Native Affairs back in the day. That grew into like, oh, actually, we've got some opinions. We might throw them out there. So that grew into the blog, and then the blog happened. Then we got into a little bit of trouble with the church, uh, <laughs> and so the blog stopped happening, and then it happened again, and then the podcast coming along really is just us living into like this new media space so we didn't actually know what a podcast was how to start one how they work what you've got to do but basically it turns out it's just a yarn it is a yarn you just have a yarn with your mates and hopefully someone finds your yarn interesting so you throw it out there and that's how and sort of at the behest of our archbishop who's awesome he was like you know wherever our people are we've got to be there too and if our people are on spotify then we've got to be on spotify and so the podcast is born and we we can be a bit lazy with how regular we post or whatever <laughs> and the quality control of that podcast um there's been one or two where we've had to post edit some uh, some words out but yeah the podcast actually doing better than we ever thought like we're we're making like the um the religious podcast charts and stuff 
um, Fraotearoa. So we, I think the highest we've polled is like four, number four, uh, for all religious podcasts. And that, like in the religious world, um, you know, sort of beating people like uh, beating out people like TD Jakes, Ravi Zacharias, Hillsong, mm. um, being more popular than those sorts of podcasts is, is pretty mind blowing. And again, eh, the idea that um, our whakapapa and our whakapono still has something of worth to contribute um, to society, to discourse, to whatever's going on in our world at the moment is pretty cool. Yeah, seems to be a bit of a strain of hauora, of health. Yeah. Of, it's a struggle. Uh, going up and down oh, to Tirangi. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but um, you talked about uh, Ngira Simmons going yeah. through his um, bariatric surgery, and then there's, uh, is there some sort of kaiti haiwara run yeah, initiative? Yeah, yeah. there's a challenge Tirangi. going on at the moment. Well, and a part of the kaupapa is like demystifying what people think the church is. You know, so when you hear priests talking about our struggle with, with kai and our mm. struggle with not, not, not being who we want to be, like we look in the mirror and what we see is not what we want. You know, so being able to have those conversations publicly, I think, is empowering, even though it, it makes us feel very vulnerable. And as Māori men, we're not used to vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So having a yarn with our mate Ngira about his bariatric surgery, like, that's, that's a hugely vulnerable space to be in, eh? And through those conversations, letting other people know that it's OK to struggle, like, because mm. that's the other thing that a lot of people can view us as in the church. Bulletproof and six yeah. foot sort of thing. Yeah, like they look at us maybe and they, they, they assume certain things. They're like, we've got our lives together. Or, or that, that, that we have um, an approach for ho order. Or that everything's, you know, all good all the time. And so I think a part of the podcast is showing the humanity of the church. Showing our humanity. That, that we are just people and man, we hate running and walking up hills as much as the next person <laughs> but you gotta do it like i think and i think maybe sometimes that's what people are locking into even more than the hahi stuff even more than the whakapono whakapapa stuff just a couple of dudes being real about so yeah have a yarn about bariatric surgery have a yarn about politics i think what we're saying is if if we want to be relevant and meaningful to our communities then we have to exist in those communities in the fullness of our identity so not just as priests. You know, it's easy to engage with the community as a priest. You turn up, you do the nihu, you go home. That's the sum total of that engagement. But if we bring our fullness to our communities, mm. and that includes our vulnerability, um, then we're instantly more relevant and we're instantly easier to build relationship with. And approachable yeah. and... Well, and cool things happen, eh? Other people start to be more at peace with their vulnerabilities too. You know, which is a real empowering thing, I think. We are pretty honest about that. Eh? There's no machine running it. There's no. We're not being funded by the church to do any of it. Eh? It's and I think more people just, are actually loving that sort of off the cuff, not polished podcast. Yeah. It's, it's great. We, we like to think we're as good as Taringa. You know, and if you look at our, our logo and Taringa's logo side to side, might I'm be slightly boring. similar. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, imitation and flattery, all of that jazz. So nga mihi praone. In recent years, Huriwai has worked as a contributing writer and social commentator for various media outlets. During the course of his studies, he wrote the article, Quote Te Whenua I am the land and the land is me. It's about the link between identity loss in Indigenous communities and climate change. Here, he explains more. 
So that paper was actually the result of uh, of a preliminary study in my master's because I noticed that what was happening in the dialogue, not just within the church but out there as well, is that it, it focused solely on the fiscal loss or it focused solely on the displacement of people or it focused solely on economy. And, and I looked at them and I thought, well, those aren't things necessarily that are at the forefront of the Māori mind when we consider the impacts of, of climate change. And a part of the reason for that is because we're frozen out of those conversations anyway. When people are having conversations around the economy or fiscal sustainability, nine times out of ten, Māori aren't even invited to those discussions. And so they're not pertinent discussions necessarily for us to be having right now. And I thought to myself, well, what is? And that's when... Um, the idea of pepeha comes into into this whakaaro way. So if pepeha is the thing that roots us and that at a fundamental level informs who we are and what we are and therefore how we interact with the world around us, then anything that puts that pepeha at risk um, is a challenge that needs to be responded to. A pepeha is the name of the Te Reo Māori introduction that you can learn at Te Reo Māori classes or within your own whānau. It's a formulaic expression that identifies who you are, your whakapapa links, your parents, your iwi, your tribe, your hapu, your sub-tribe, your waka, your mountain, your ocean. And so climate change for me um, is the most pertinent issue um, affecting our pepeha right now here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And so because of that, we should be responding to it. One of the ways we can respond to that is by putting our whakaro out there. The sort of the world that I'm currently sitting in at the moment tends to be a bit more academic heavy uh, than maybe I'd like it to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so one of the ways you do that is, is you contribute to, to journals, eh? and you contribute to yeah. books internationally and stuff like that. And so this, this paper is appearing in a book around the idea of climate grief the impact of climate change on the the mental um, stability of our whānau and the mental health of our whānau, right? And so from the Māori perspective, I use the example of the Waiapu catchment. So the Waiapu catchment is the area up the coast in the Waiapu Valley that holds the sum total of our pepeha as Ngāti Pro. Within the Waiapu catchment is the river, and within the Waiapu catchment uh, is Hikurangi, um, our maunga. And the Waipu catchment is being negatively impacted upon by the effects of climate change. And so what does that mean for us as a people? Well, the colonial perspective is to look at that and say, oh, well, you're going to lose fiscal sustainability of your iwi. If those are the two major, if within that area are the major things that contribute um, to your fiscal sustainability and your fiscal stability, then those are the things that, that are going to um, be at risk of being lost, right? But we look at that in Māori and we say, no, our identity is the thing that's at risk of being lost. If climate change impacts negatively on the Waipu catchment and therefore the sum total of our pepeha, then we're not losing fiscal stability, we're losing ourselves. Our entire identity, the way we understand ourselves, how we interact with the world and with one another, how we build relationship, that's actually what's being damaged by climate change. And without that, none of the other stuff matters. We can rebuild our economic base. We can even rebuild kainga and marae and our homes and our communities. We cannot rebuild hikurangi. We cannot rebuild the waiapu. And so if those things are lost through climate change, then we're lost. And it's an irreparable loss. We can never, ever have it back again. And so we lose the very core of who we are as a people. And as soon as you lose that identity, the core of your being, 
then anything is up for grabs. You have nothing grounding you. You have nothing holding you together as a people or even as individuals. eh? And you see a little glimpse of that um, when you look at like the advent of, of gangs in, in Māori communities and stuff. So, so they're coming around around the time of urbanisation, right? So the mass urbanisation of our people out of our kāinga um, and into the towns. And what's the one thing they're, they're trying to replicate? They're trying to replicate identity and home. And there's no hikurangi in the middle of Christchurch. No. There's no waiapu. There's no marae that reflects who you are and what you are. And so you try to establish that in a new way. But as that becomes more and more disconnected to who you actually are, whereas if you're deeply connected to your identity, as revealed in your pepeha, um, then you, you not only know who you are, but you know to whom you have responsibility. That's to your whānau, your hapu and your iwi. Yes. So mm. then I thought about, so when you were talking, I was thinking about the, um, in Tauranga Moana, when mm. the container ship um, yeah, yeah, hit, the yeah, the rena, um, hit the yeah. Astrolab Otaiti Reef, yeah. and, the, and then uh, the aftermath was how to restore the Māori yeah. back into that. Yeah, oh, totally. And that's a definite connect day. I was, uh, one of our whanaunga uh, had passed away, um, around that time, Tony Williams, and they brought, brought, brought him back to Waikari, and I was at Waikari for that tangi, and the pie said something real interesting um, during, throughout that tangi. It wasn't like overt, but it was sort of implicit, right, that as long as that waka is out there on the reef, our people will continue to die. Um, and, and that might have been metaphoric or it might have been literal, literal, but what it was getting at is we were witnessing the death of our moana as long as that thing sat on the reef. And as our moana dies, man, we're moana people. We die as well. So the impact on our moana is the same as the imp- You know, it might as well have been happening to us. Mm. You know, if you had a haki-haki on you, if you had some illness, you wouldn't just leave it there, say sorry to your tinana and be like, oh, move on with your life. You, you remove that yeah. thing that's the threat. I mean, I think that's what our pie was getting at at Waikari. Yeah, you know, as long as that's there, mm. then we're in impaired relationship with ourselves. Our relationship with the is impaired. And it, the worst part about that is that it was through no fault of the iwi kainga. Yeah. It was forced upon the maid. And again, this thing, well, anything's up for grabs as long as our economy's fine. You know? Yeah. We, we, you, oh, sorry, you've just got to live with, your, with the reality that that's what we need to do. Another thing in the moane, the dredging of the harbour, oh, yeah, yeah. which yeah. every time they do it, we, we complain about it every time and they don't listen to us every time. Because the option is, well, if we don't do this, we can't have container ships coming in anymore. And that will impact negatively on the economic future of our, our kainga. Anything that's impacted, impacting negatively on us is always a secondary concern. The primary concern is money. That's an issue. In the early days of Chris's childhood, the whānau lived in Christchurch. His dad moved there as part of the trade training scheme. Now, he describes the city at the time as monocultural, so Chris's parents decided to, as he puts it, Māori-fy their world as much as possible. His dad carved po and other pieces for their home. He carved taonga puro, or Māori instruments. At the age of 14, Chris's dad carved him a pūkaya for his birthday. So I started playing with it for a little bit, and I was really bit by the bug. Like, the idea that these were the sounds of our ancestors, the idea um, that these instruments were the things that not only they enjoyed for whakangaho, but they also used to commune with the divine. 
to transfer uh, ancient wisdom and knowledge and whakapapa and pūrāko uh, to pēpē. The idea that this thing, Taonga Pōro, this is so multifaceted and, and formed a key part of lots of different parts of our lives, everything from entertainment through to worship, through to health and hauora and healing, were all combined into this thing called Taonga Pōro. Thirty-three now, so it's been roughly half of my life. I've been involved with it, and lately, sort of bringing that into dialogue um, with my mihinaretanga. Nice. So, 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 how can we reclaim the divine aspect of Taonga Pūro and do that in a practical way too um, in the church? How can we involve Taonga Pūro in the karakia of the Mihinare Church? Can we? Should we? Those are the sort of conversations that I'm keen on having um, at the moment and that we're experimenting with um, here in Tairawhiti. So, yeah, and, and the TikTok stuff is just... <laughs> I'm like, you know when you're into something, but you don't think that everyone else is into it? Yeah, yeah. So, you just, oh, you know, I just posted a random video and all of a sudden it gets, you know, like 5,000 views or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, people are actually into this stuff. And so you do a bit more of it. And, and through that, people start asking questions. And in a roundabout way, it loops back to the whakapono stuff. And yeah, it's just a cool thing. And I think anyone who... Like, I'm not, I'm not someone who has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to Taonga Pōro. I've just been lucky enough to be around them for a little while. Wow. But anyone who has even an ounce of knowledge when it comes to any sort of tikanga Māori, whakaoro Māori, I think there's an imperative there to share that. Um, with anyone who's interested. So not locking any of that up for yourself, but being open and free to let that flow away yeah. and, and, and flood our people. So we're starting that journey now of how we might be able to not just combine Taonga Pōro with our um, lived reality as people of faith at the moment, but how Taonga Pōro and other Māori approaches to whakapono mm. can stand alone in their own integrity. Let love be your tikanga. So if, if, if there's one thing I would say um, to the whānau uh, that might be listening or that might stumble across this corridor, is to let love be your tikanga. Let it guide you. Let it be the fundamental. Let it be the non-negotiable. And when that happens, miracles happen. And when miracles happen, worlds can be changed. E te minita o te hahi mihinare mi te manu e kawea nei i ngā kōrero o te au hurihuri ki te iwi whānui, te nākoe. Reverend Canon Chris Huriwai. Now you can find Chris on social media either by his own name or under the handle Rev Talks. Now Rev Talks, the Mihinari podcast, is also available on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you access your podcasts. This episode of One on One is a corridor series that will feature in upcoming episodes of Tiahika. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, simply email tiahika at rnz.co.nz. Koe ea tātātou kaupapa mō tēnei wiki e rangi ai he kaupapa anō hei te rātapu e tū mai nei. Join the show next Sunday. In the meantime, check out tonight's show and previous episodes at rnz.co.nz forward slash tiahika. Kia ora mō tēnei wā, tēnā tātou katoa.